conference season's in full swing and there's so much going on around the world in cardiothoracic. So today on the podcast, we've got paediatric quality of life after switch. It's amazing, really good survivals. And most people that do have switches survive really well. Interstitial lung disease and lobectomy, headline figures 5% versus 1% mortality. Mortality goes up, what else could you do? And a really good paper all about staff experiences of prehabilitation. Really fascinated stuff. Uh, worries about prehabilitating due to their heart condition or getting problems with their uh, wounds. Uh, we've got three brilliant videos for you, the Nikaido operation, a portax mitral uh, for P2 prolapse, and an amazing 3D reconstruction uh, of, the, of the chest. So much to get through. I hope you've enjoyed this. Please log on to my podcast for the full uh, roundup of all the amazing news going on in the world uh, this week. Hi, my name's Joel Dunning. Uh, welcome to another CTS Net Beat podcast. Uh, uh, it's amazing because it really is a conference season. Uh, I've just come back from EAX where we've had such a wonderful time, met so many brilliant people. We did 14 videos uh, for CTS Net, all about the leaders. Got some great insights from John Puskas, uh, all about, uh, about uh, coronary artery disease and Teresa Kieser. And David Waller told us all about the Mars 2 trial and apparently about a new Mars 3 trial. I met Lorena Montez, our amazing new Kydec editor. She's from Colombia told us all about laces and the exciting things they're doing in Latin America and so many more. So watch out for our videos over the next few weeks uh, at EX. Weirdly, I'm not actually at EX. If you look at the backdrop behind, I'm actually at a pacemaker conference. We send pacemakers to Africa. And did you know that most pacemakers in Africa are put in by cardiac surgeons? Uh, so we try and help them out, help them to implant pacemakers. And we recondition them from people that have, have passed away and we take their devices. And if they've got more than 75% battery life, we put them in Africans. Saves lives. So that's why I'm here at this conference in the UK in Birmingham called the HRC. Anyway, uh, coming back to our podcast, we have three great videos for you on CT net this week and we also have three great papers. The first paper we have chosen for you is entitled Pediatric Quality of Life in Toddlers and Children Who Underwent Arterial Switch Operation Beyond the Early Neonatal Period. Now uh, this is from Kerala in India, a very high volume pediatric centre. It's in the European Journal this month uh, and Baju uh, Daran and Sawama uh, Raman uh, are the authors. But what did they find? Well they wanted to look and see how people did in the midterm and longer term. They took 208 of their patients having the switch correction. Uh, this was between 2012 and 2018, so really up to date. And they had a great survival, so 94% survival. Um, over that follow-up period as well, uh, which was several years, um, 19 patients didn't survive, but that did leave um, 196 patients doing really well. Um, now, two children did get severe neuromotor impairment. Actually, I thought that was a really good survival, but the most important thing in this paper is how they did in later life. They're at, at five years of life, um, they had a 97.9% quality of life score. So absolutely brilliant. They had brilliant scores, just the same as, as, as non-surgical patients with, with heart symptoms, treatment compliance, physical appearance, treatment-related anxiety, cognitive problems. They were really, really good. 
good. So, so this goes to say that, you know, if you have a switch, great survival, but really good long-term outlook. So I really like that paper. I also really like seeing these high quality papers coming out of India. There's so much great stuff coming out of India. And we at CTSnet are actually wondering about whether we should go uh, and go and spend some time at maybe the Narayana Hospital uh, with Devi uh, Shetty and his team there, because, you know, they really are one of the world's best centers. Um, <clears throat> The second paper we have for you uh, is one that I find a problem all the time. Uh, so I was interested to read this paper. It's a thoracic paper. It's called The Association Between Interstitial Lung Disease and Outcomes After Lung Cancer Resection. Now, it's quite common that we get a patient that says, oh, they've got bad interstitial lung disease, therefore they can't have radiotherapy because radiotherapy really wrecks their lungs. But we always think, well, they're quite high risk for surgery. And this paper uh, was really good. It's in the Annals of Thoracic Surgery this month. It's from Mass General Hospital in Boston. Uh, and it's Ashok Muniapan and Alexandra Axtell were the authors. And basically, they went to the STS database, 128,000 patients in this incredible database, 10-year period. And they found 1,873 patients with interstitial lung disease. That's 1.5% of our population. Probably that means, what, a couple of patients a year for all us thoracic surgeons and they went and looked to see how they got on. Um, they smoke a bit more, they have higher pulmonary hypertension, they've got worse DLCO numbers, kind of, yep, all these things that reflect them being higher risk. But actually the headline figure is that their mortality is 5% compared to 1.2% in the rest of the database. So one in 20 will not survive their resection if you've got interstitial lung disease. I was quite depressed by that. I was going, wow, that is a big number. So really, this is telling me, do not go and just do a lobectomy in someone with interstitial lung disease unless you've really got cancer, it's really not a great cancer, and they don't have other options, which often radiotherapy is not an option. So great paper, really in in inspirational and great and very useful when talking to people with ILD. The third paper is probably my favourite of the week. This was so interesting. Um, so this is called Experiences of Patients Enrolled and Staff Involved in the Prehabilitation of Elective Patients Undergoing Cardiac Surgery Trial, a nested qualitative study. What's this? Um, so this is called the PREPS-2 trial. And this is a study run by our very own Enoch Okoa in James Cook University Hospital and Sam Harrison, a professor of physiotherapy uh, and several other amazing people. Basically, PREPS-2 is uh, taking a load of cardiac patients and randomizing them to prehabilitation or not. And this particular study took a load of them and asked them personal questions. They came into a room and they held focus groups and it was so fascinating because they found five really interesting areas that they were identified. First, preparedness for surgery reduced fear. So if you do prehabilitation, the patients come to surgery knowing what to expect. They've mentally prepared, they've physically prepared, and they report being happier with going under, undergoing surgery compared to the people that didn't have prehabilitation. Secondly, staff were concerned but trusted in a safe environment. So the patients reported that uh, doing prehabilitation was a bit scary, worried about their heart, but actually if they did it with staff in a hospital, they were suddenly given the confidence to do exercise, even though they had a serious heart condition. Third, rushing for recovery and a curious carer. Um, they found that actually patients really, really wanted to mobilize 
after surgery. But prehabilitation really helped with this. And actually, the carers, the curious carers, really wanted to prehabilitate because they want to see how well can my patient do um, after an operation. So the carers are as interested as the patients in prehabilitating. Fourth, to survive and thrive. Um, the patients really, really want to do better and do well and get back to full uh, quality of life after surgery, which they really said very loudly. And so prehabilitation was really attractive to them. And then lastly, this is a UK trial. The benefits are diluted by lengthy waiting periods. A lot of the patients had prehabilitation, then they waited and waited and were cancelled. And that was tremendously frustrating. It was really demoralising and all their, all their quality of life scores and things started ebbing and slipping away to become the same as people that didn't have prehabilitation. So really, really interesting, amazing job. What a great paper. And out of all the three, maybe I'd suggest you click on the show notes below and have a read of that one and see if it applies to your patients uh, in your practice. So those were three great papers and I'm just going to hand over to the office to tell you what else you can find on the CTSnet website this week. CTSnet's ninth annual resident video competition is now open for submissions. Residents and medical students of all CT surgical specialties are eligible to submit surgical videos for a chance to win prominent publication on CTSnet and an exclusive interview with the judges. The deadline to submit is December 29, 2023. To learn more, head to the resident video competition page on ctsnet.org. We have three really interesting videos on our website this week. The first one is a pediatric one, uh, and it's one of my favorite procedures, the Nikaido procedure for transposition of the great arteries, uh, VSD, uh, and, uh, and pulmonary stenosis. Uh, and again, another absolutely smash out the park, brilliant video from Mumbai in India. Uh, this is Shyamadeep uh, Borghain, uh, and uh, well done, thank you very much for submitting this six-year-old boy with transposition. Uh, severe stenosis, the VSD was subpulmonic uh, and switched. So this is really well uh, videoed. He shows us going around the coronary arteries, identifying them, taking um, the cuff of aorta um, above the sinotubular junction, cutting into the right ventricle to harvest uh, that aorta, but keeping the buttons in situ, uh, then cutting open uh, the pulmonary artery, uh, leaving a length, doing the Lecomte procedure, suturing the aorta back into it uh, onto the left ventricle uh, fixing the VSD with a patch as well uh, and then harvesting a piece of pericardium in glutaraldehyde to complete the pulmonary artery patch so so I thought that was uh, uh, really nice uh, and if you like uh, fantastic pediatric surgery then take a look at that the second video is a really nice port access mitral operation by Tuba Set at uh, the University Hospitals Bristol. Uh, so beautifully done. Uh, they're doing a port access mitral and it's a P2 prolapse. Uh, they show us mostly the endoscopic view. Uh, they show us uh, each suture. They show us putting in the uh, ring. They show us using the uh, the um, automated uh, suturing device uh, and then they show us uh, doing a triangular repair of that valve. Uh, they do a, a test on the valve. It wasn't quite perfect. So they do a few little extra sutures on the commissure and then they leave with a perfect result. So if you want to see a really nice, quick, well-performed P2 prolapse in a port access mitral, then click on that video. It's a banger. 
And finally, uh, a really very new video. Uh, I'm not sure if you've ever seen this before. Preoperative holographic assessment of pulmonary anatomy for intralobar sequestration. This video comes from Lorenzo Spaggiari and Francesco Petrella from University of Milan. But actually, you can actually see this in action quite a lot. It's a Johnson & Johnson invention, I think. Uh, I think it might be linked to visible patient. But basically, you can get the CT scan of the patient. You put it into the software they will create a 3D reconstruction and quite a lot of uh, our, our softwares can do this now but the big difference is you put a VR headset on and then in space you can grab the lungs you can rotate it round you can take the arteries away the veins away it really is minority report in action in thoracic surgery and they did a really great video because the video was an intralobe a sequestration of a right lower lobe and you got to see that artery coming straight off the aorta in beautiful quality. You also got to see how much of that lobe was being uh, perfused by that sequestration, how much was native, and, uh, and they, they walked us through all uh, the things you can do with this uh, this holographic assessment. So what do you think? Um, I've actually seen this a few times. I've even had a go at it. Um, it's not a bad gimmick, but I'm not entirely sure I'd use it in my daily practice. I think a 3D reconstruction that you can just scroll around is perfectly good. I also, in my intuitive operations, actually get my iPad, get my 3D scan, and, uh, and I tile it into it, into the uh, into the headset. So, so I can tile pro into the intuitive surgeon's console. So I've got my 3D reconstruction in there. And of course, you can't do that with these VR headsets because you're gonna bang your head on the surgeon's console. So uh, I think it's maybe a bit of a gimmick, but what do you think? Do you think this could be the future? Uh, let me know what you think. So that's all our videos and uh, and articles, but there are lots of other things that we've got to tell you about. Upcoming events. There is a transitioning from residency to consultancy webinar, Wednesday, October the 18th. It's a virtual course. It's an EAX thoracic domain webinar. So if you log on, you can do it in the comfort of your own home. Uh, and maybe you are a resident about to become a consultant. So log on to that. Uh, and I'm sure it'll be fascinating. Um, on the 19th to 20th of October, uh, there's the third annual Philadelphia Cardiovascular Conference. It's a two-day conference uh, and is in person. But if you're around, it's at the Bellevue Hotel. And finally, robotic revascularization training. Uh, that's a pretty rarity. There aren't many of those courses around. This is being held in Leuven in Belgium, October the 23rd and 24th. Full day of robotic mid-cab exposure, presentations, hands-on training, simulation environment. You know, that's pretty rare. I haven't seen many people uh, doing that. I saw Hassan Bolki do it and a few other top surgeons in America, but, uh, but it certainly is a technique that uh, needs to become more prevalent. And uh, so those are the things that you can catch up on in the next few weeks. And finally, uh, let's catch up with where's Diego. So Diego's teaching the whole world to do thoracic surgery. He's got his own foundation. And where is he this week? He is in Costa Rica. He's in the third masterclass with Wet Labs, a big international faculty and people from all over the world uh, coming together in Costa Rica. So well done, Diego. And finally, our honorable mention, 
I just want to say a big thank you to everybody at Eeks that came up and said they loved listening to the podcast. And uh, so I think I'll just give a special shout out to one person that came up. It was Utumelang uh, Toyani. Um, he's a thoracic, cardiothoracic surgeon from South Africa. He says he enjoys watching it on the way to work uh, every week. So big shout out to you and also to everybody else that came up saying they're enjoying the podcast. I hope we're giving you what you want. Um, please do drop me a line if you think we should be doing anything else. Should I speak slower? Should I speak faster? Uh, should we get some more guests on? Our podcast from EAX with uh, Lorena Montes was so popular. There was 350 hits within the first 24 hours. So, so maybe we'll get more guests on. Who knows? But anyway, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Thank you so much for watching all the way to the end. And tune in next week for another edition of the CTS Net Beat podcast.